You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Well, thanks so much for listening to the Worshipology podcast. This is a podcast geared towards worship teams, worship leaders, and worshipers of Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, most of the time I'm actually talking to somebody on the other end of the phone or on a Zoom call doing uh, one of these episodes. But every now and then uh, I get to just kind of share some of my heart uh, on this podcast and uh, dive into what the Lord has kind of been teaching me in this current season. And today is one of those days. And so, Uh, Thanks so much for listening. I'm always grateful to get messages from people who are encouraged by this podcast. And listen, if you are encouraged, uh, do me a huge favor and, uh, you know, go on to uh, whatever platform you're listening on, whether that's Amazon or uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and just leave us a review. Tell us uh, why you love this podcast, how it's encouraging you, and uh, maybe share it with your team if you're a worship leader, worship pastor. Uh, I love being able to pour in to people, not just in my immediate area, but all over the country. And it's been so fun. We've been doing this podcast now for the last couple of years. We're about 50 something episodes in, and I think it's just going to get better. And I'm grateful for every person that listens and I'm grateful for every review. And so I just wanted to share something that's kind of really close to my heart right now. Um, You know, I have been a worship leader since I was 13 years old and now I'm 41. So you can do the math on that. Been leading worship over 25 years and a songwriter, worship pastor, church planter. And uh, currently in this season, I find myself uh, in the Richmond, Virginia area. I'm at Destination Church as a worship pastor, part of the executive team here. I get to serve with an incredible team. Uh, amazing uh, people on our dream team, as we call them, uh, people that just serve so selflessly and give of their time, talent, and treasure. And it's been an absolute joy. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I encountered probably about a year ago when I first got up here into this role um, is something that I think a lot of people encounter every now and then in their ministry life and in life in general, and that's that imposter syndrome. It's kind of where you feel like you're just in a place, an environment, maybe a job or a role that's above your pay grade. And you're like, how did I end up here? I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, You know, when I first came here, I'd been leading worship, like I said, for so long. And yet I just kind of felt like, what am I doing right now? Like they hired the wrong guy for this role. It's a larger church. Um, You know, they had some incredible people on the team and uh, just kind of stepping in. I knew that God was calling me into this to stretch me. I don't think God ever calls you into your next season to go backwards. I think he always wants you to move forward. And so I knew it was going to be a challenge, but this imposter syndrome really just began to wreck me. And uh, I just began to fall back in love Uh, with the value of prayer, praying and asking God for help. You know, I just read this uh, interesting uh, article about Johann Sebastian Bach. He's one of the greatest classical composers of all time. And on every single piece of his uh, composition paper at the top, before writing a piece, he would write the initials JJ, which stood for Yesu Yeva, which means Jesus help me. And then he would write an incredible piece Uh, as we know now looking backwards, but at the end of it, he would always write SDG, Soli de Gloria, 
only to the glory of God. And I think that that prayer right there has been something in this current season that's been really helping me uh, overcome feelings of insecurity and anxiety and worry as they often pop up in our lives. Um, But what if we did that? What if we started every day Uh, No matter if you're a worship leader or on a worship team or just a worshiper of Jesus, what if you just started every day with that simple prayer, Jesus, help me. Whatever it is I'm doing today, would you help me do it? Would you help me accomplish the Great Commission? Would you help me to love people? Would you help me to walk in peace and patience and kindness? God, would you help me to do everything and do it for your glory. And then when we get to the end of our day, what if we ended it just like Johann Sebastian Bach would end those pieces with SDG, Soli de Gloria, only to the glory of God. Man, what if we ended every day? God, let everything I did today be for your glory, for your fame and for your name. And uh, that's been really the current prayer uh, that God has just been laying on my heart. It's so simple, isn't it? But I can just remember when I first got here uh, about a year ago, and I was really feeling this imposter syndrome, and I just began to pray this simple prayer, and it's a prayer I I pray every single time I drive into work and every Sunday morning on the way to church, and it's this, God, help me to lead with confidence, competence, clarity, and conviction. And it's one of those prayers that I just believe there's there's such a power in repetition, you know, especially when it comes to our prayer life. I think we can just get in this mode of like, God, I always need to come up with something brand new to pray to you. But there's a power in repetition. And I remember my my dad would teach me when I was growing up, you know, that uh, repetition is the key to learning. And if you want to learn what's on your heart, find out what you're praying uh, repeatedly. Find out what always pops up in your prayer life. And uh, it's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm a basketball player, a wannabe, I would say. You know, I played basketball in high school, but I just remember, how do you get better at free throws? Man, you just practice them every single day. So every day for about three years, I would get to that free throw line whenever I had a basketball, and i just shoot like 100 free throws. And I would just shoot over and over again. I remember when I first started piano, I was 11 years old. And my dad said, look, I'll pay you $10 a week if you practice for an hour a day. And so I began to just fall in love with music. I would practice for an hour a day. And then like two years into it, I made the biggest mistake in my childhood. I told my dad, look, you don't have to pay me anymore. I love playing piano. I probably could have made a lot more money as a 13 year old kid, but I just began to fall in love with piano. Why? Because of the repetition and practicing and repeating it and just consistency there. And I think consistent prayers have power. Uh, About 10 years ago, I just prayed uh, what I call the FWI prayer. It was favor, wisdom, and influence. I was uh, at National Community Church as a worship pastor, and uh, our worship team had just gotten signed by Integrity Music. And uh, I was just swimming in waters that were way deeper than I should have been in at that time. I always felt like I was the least qualified person in the room. And yet God, um, you know, I love the story of David because God doesn't just call the qualified, right? He qualifies the call. You've heard that before. And David was kind of the runt of the litter. And yet Samuel, the prophet was like, look, God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And so David was king of Israel. And I felt like in that season, 10 years ago at National Community Church as a worship pastor, being signed with Integrity Music, my prayer was that FWI prayer. It was favor, wisdom, and influence. And so I just began to pray that every single day, the prayers over our kids. Uh, I have an 11-year-old daughter named Nora. And uh, when we found out that Sarah was 
was pregnant with her. We prayed the same prayer every night, and I still pray it uh, 11 years later every night over her. And it's God, give Nora uh, the beauty and favor of Esther, the strength and courage of Samson, and the heart of worship of David. And then over my son Moses, I've always prayed a very simple prayer. God, make him big, strong, and brave. Big, strong, and brave. He needs to know that over his own life and declare it in every situation. So, And they know those prayers. There's power in consistent prayers. And so let me go back to this prayer that I've been praying very consistently over this last year. God, help me to lead with confidence, competence, clarity, and conviction. And I just kind of want to spend a little bit of time today diving into each of these four, I'll call them values uh, of my prayer life right now. And they're really values on how I, I lead worship. What do I look for in a worship leader that I'm raising? Uh, what do I tell, you know, I get a lot of churches that call me or, or email me and, hey, do you have any worship leaders or what should we be looking for? And I would say these four values hold a lot of weight in the worship world. Confidence, not in your own ability, but in the role that God's placed you in confidence in Jesus, confidence in, in your calling, uh, confidence in your ability, right? And then there's competence. Uh, you need to know what you're doing. You need to be able to lead with excellence. You always need to be growing. Uh, you need to be able to navigate change uh, through competence. Uh, clarity, man, that is so key. Uh, clarity in these days, uh, I think is so important. You want to be able to be clear about where you're leading, why you're leading, how you're leading. You want to be clear with your team. Uh, you want to be clear with your staff that you're working with. If it's with different departments, you want to be clear with your family. You want to be clear about expectations and communication. And then that last one, uh, which is probably the most important of these four, is conviction. Uh, man, if you don't do anything with conviction, you're just kind of faking it until you make it. You're just kind of going through the motions. And I never want to be a leader that just leads out of have to. Uh, I want to be a leader that leads with get to as my motivation. Amen. And so let's just dive into some of these. You know, uh, I think each of these has an a, 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 a maybe a problem child that they deal with the most, you know, when it comes to uh, confidence, I think confrontation is, is the thing that you can meet with confidence and grow in your leadership. Uh, when it comes to competence, I think change uh, is the huge thing that you can meet with. So change met by conf competence, uh, confrontation met by confidence, and then crisis met by clarity. Uh, you know, anytime that you come into a, a crisis moment, man, when you have clarity and clear vision, uh, I love that show Friday Night Lights where they say clear, clear eyes and full hearts. I think that's what it is. Uh, and then the, the fourth problem is criticism. OK, and you can meet criticism with conviction. So the first thing with that confidence thing confrontation met with confidence, uh, you know, you can please some of the people all the time. You can please all the people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all the time. You're going to have moments where either disappointment or a breakdown of communication or maybe a misunderstanding of expectation will lead to a confrontation. Have any of you guys ever had confrontation in your teams? And I'm talking about worship teams. We're here to worship Jesus. We're here to play music that exalts the Father. And yet sometimes there can be these moments of confrontation uh, where you just aren't meeting eye to eye. But I'll tell you this. In all of my years of leading worship and all of my years of uh, you know, church planting and being on staff with different ministries, confrontation is a good thing. Confrontation can be healthy, 
Uh, anger is not, right? People are people, and we have to realize that uh, people are not the enemy. They're the mission. We have to address and attack the situation, whether that's miscommunication or misunderstanding, whatever has led to the confrontation. We need to take that head on. But you can't uh, attack people. And I think that's often what is the cause of offense. It's often what is the cause of people, um, you know, getting hurt, uh, maybe saying hurtful things is that we begin to, instead of addressing people and realizing that, look, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness. And and we know that, right? Uh, So it's so important when it comes to confrontation to understand that, man, people are the mission. Every single person that you're going to lead or lead with uh, is a child of God. They're on your team, and uh, we have to address that situation, whatever that might be. And don't let it go unresolved. You know, I think oftentimes, uh, hey, where are my confrontation avoiders at, right? I, I don't enjoy conflict. I don't enjoy confrontation, but I know that as a leader, I can't let it go uh, unaddressed. What happens if you do that is it gets buried deep inside And it's going to make its way out at some point. And you guys know that volcanoes, they might take a long time to erupt, but when they do, uh, destruction is in its path. I was doing some research a while ago on volcanoes. I'm not really sure why, but uh, I just wrote this down. I thought it was really interesting. According to the U.S. Geological Survey, there are a few indicators on how to tell if a volcano is about to blow. Stick with me here because I think we can parallel this with uh, confrontation avoiding, right? So just let this minister to you today, all right? Number one, an increase in the frequency and intensity of felt earthquakes. So if you find yourself kind of getting easily stirred and easily angered a little bit more, it might be because you're avoiding conflict. Uh, Number two, noticeable steaming in new areas of hot ground. I thought this was so interesting because maybe some of the things that didn't frustrate or aggravate you before are now starting to, you're noticing new ground and hot ground when it comes to confrontation. Uh, Number three, small changes in heat flow. Hey, let me ask you this. Do you lose your cool and maybe you're more sporadic when you get angry uh, more often? Okay. Confrontation needs to be healthy and consistent. Otherwise, a team can suffer breakdowns and not run uh, healthy, not run properly. Uh, it's just like an engine, right? That hasn't had its oil consistently changed. An engine locks up. For us, when it comes to worship, um, you know, our team, we actually have a Monday sit down. Every single week, we talk about the weekend. Where can we grow? Where, where can our team get better? What conversations need to be had? Uh, We have uh, another meeting on Wednesdays called Worship Wednesdays, uh, and this is kind of where we talk about the upcoming weekend. Hey, as we go into this weekend, how can we avoid frustration and unmet expectation? How can we communicate, whether that's like, hey, talking to the band about making sure we got all the parts down and all the keys and all the transitions. You know, this coming Sunday, we actually have a choir Sunday, and so a lot of communication going out to the choir, uh, a lot of communication going out uh, to those who are like directing the different sections in the choir. And I've always found this over my years of leadership that most breakdowns happen where there's a glitch in either expectation or communication, right? And that's usually where the confrontations arise is that there wasn't a proper expectation met. And so, you know, when it comes to our choir, it's like, hey, you guys need to learn these harmonies. 
know the lyrics to the choruses and the bridge. I'm getting really practical here. Uh, but making sure that that clear expectation is out there so that there's no possible uh, unhealthy confrontation in the future. And so we just have these meetings. And then with our staff, you know, I've got a staff of uh, six people right now that I work pretty uh you know, close with uh, production and worship and, and social media. And so we have one-on-ones pretty consistently. And one-on-ones are so great if you're in leadership because it kind of gives you a weekly, if not bi-weekly um, chance to just, hey, let's just de-stress. W- what is it that you're working on? How can I help? Uh, how can I, um, you know, play a role in this and cheer you on? You know, I think every leader needs, uh, I call it the three C's, a champion, a coach, and a cheerleader. You know, and so maybe I need to be a coach in a certain part, uh, in a in a certain season of like, you know, hey, let me let me show you how to do this, and let's walk through this, or maybe I just need to be a cheerleader and like cheer you on, okay? And so those one on one meetings are so key, and they really help just keep everything on the forefront. What are the things that you need to be working on as a leader? What are the things that your team need to be working on? And and the biggest thing, especially in this day and age, is to just know that hey, we're on the same team. I think, you know, there's so much conflict in the world. What is one of the greatest ways that the church can be the light in the darkness? Man, it's by not having unhealthy conflict and confrontation. But man, like when something happens, instead of it getting to that place of offense, man, ironing it out, talking it through, hey, we're on the same team at the end of the day. You you just can't walk away from confrontation. And so how do you address it? I think you got to confidently step into it, right, with bold grace. And that's why my prayer is for confidence every single day, every single time that I lead worship. God, give me confidence with this team, confidence in my role, confidence in my calling. Because when it comes to confrontation, you really need to have confidence in yourself and the calling that God has placed on your life. You need to have confidence in that. You need to have confidence in the relationship, the relationship that you have with your team, with your staff, and then confidence in the mission. You know, uh, confidence and conversations are how you overcome confrontation as a leadership problem. No one was better at this than Jesus, right? Jesus was a master of confrontation because uh, he was a master of conversation. Uh, I love the book, Jesus is the Question by Martin Copenhaver. And uh, he, he writes that Jesus was asked 183 questions in the gospels and he answers directly to three of them. And then he, in turn, asks 307 questions, right? And my favorite moment uh, in all the Gospels when it comes to this uh, dodging questions by being the answer that Jesus was is in the story of the woman at the well. I mean, she was caught in the act of adultery, and yet Jesus literally diffuses the situation by turning uh, this confrontational moment into a moment of teaching everybody that, hey, if you're without sin, cast the first stone. And Jesus was confident in his mission and in his calling, okay? So that's my first prayers for confidence. The second one is competence, and uh, this is such a good prayer when it comes to seasons of change. And uh, you just got to navigate change by growing through it. And and the way that you grow is by increasing your competence. Uh, There's always going to be change in any industry, any organization, any team. And I think that with the church, that fact remains, right? I mean, the way that we do church today is so different than just 10 years ago. Very different than 50 years ago, especially when it comes to worship and music. Uh, But change isn't bad. Actually, adaptability 
is so key. I mean, look at the music industry. I lived in Nashville for 10 years, so I kind of got a, a front row seat to seeing how the music industry changed just in that short period of time, really going from uh, MP3 players to, uh, you know, I, well, let, let's dial it all the way back. I mean, you know, you had uh, record players and eight tracks and cassette tapes and then CDs and then MP3 players. And now everything is a streaming game, right? Uh, and when the MP3 first came out, I mean, many old school record label folks, they, they tried to delay and hang on to the old. And before they knew it, they're out of a job. Those who could look to stretching in the future, instead, they were trying to stay comfortable in the past. And those were the ones uh, who ended up not being a part of the change. But the ones who uh, not only kept their jobs, but not only kept their jobs, but actually helped shape the music industry, those were the ones who embraced change and met it with competence. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's R.T. Kendall who said, those who are opposed to what God wants to do next are the ones who are hanging on to what he did last. I think as uh, worship ministers and leaders and pastors, we've got to be open to change, not changing the message, but the method. Thinking about uh, the music industry, the thing is that uh, songs, you know, they have to stay songs. You know, songs are still made up of great hooks, great production, great instrumentation and vocals. Uh, but the way that those songs make their way to the message is, is what has changed so much over the last hundred years or so. Uh, the message will not change. The method has to. You know, the message for the church over these last 2,000 years, it hasn't changed, right? The gospel is still the same and it has the same power to transform lives. It's just those delivery messages that have to change. And so the way to approach change is through this prayer I have, God, help make me competent. Because competency, that's just like, I, you were made for this. You were appointed for this. For such a time as this, you've been called to do what you're doing. And uh, look, you've got the secrets and the talents and creativity locked inside you that's going to solve a problem when that change is needing. I'm just speaking that over your li you, you, you right now. I'm just speaking that over uh, anyone right now who's walking through a season of change and they feel like, man, I can't make it through this. I'm here to tell you, you've got this, okay? You're called to this. I think of purpose like a locked door and you've got the key, the only key that can open that door. But here's the thing with our competencies. They can only be developed if we're willing to take that step towards growth. Uh, I've been reading this book by Carol Dweck. It's called Mindset. And it's all about uh, two different ways of living and thinking. There's this fixed mindset and there's a growth mindset. Which one do you think is necessary for success, right? And that growth mindset, growth always learns from failures. Oftentimes you learn more from your failures than you do from your success. And if I'm leading worship and I'm preaching today with the same exact mindset, that fixed mindset, if I'm, if I'm leading today the same way I was 10 years ago, I'm losing. I'm not growing, right? I'm not increasing my competency and my gift set. One thing I often tell our team is that you can't have excellence without evaluation. And so growth is always achieved when you approach it with evaluation and an editing mindset. How do we go from Sunday to Sunday? If we're not growing, we're dying. If we're not changing, we're stagnant and we're getting comfortable. And listen, comfortable people never change the world. <laughs> Comfortable people don't grow. You only grow when you're stretched and you're, you're, you're kind of swimming, like I said, in those waters that are uh, deeper than you thought they would be. Okay. So competence is another one of my prayers. The third prayer is clarity. 
And I said earlier, you know, you meet crisis by stepping in with clarity. Uh, I love this story. It's one of my favorite history stories. In the year 1900, there's over 11,000 horse-drawn buggies on the streets of London alone. And there are also like several thousand horse-drawn buses, each needing 12 horses a day. So that's 50,000 horses transporting people around each and every day in the city of London. And uh, it caused a pretty big problem. Uh, The main concern, believe it or not, was the large amount of horse manure left behind on the streets. On average, a horse would produce between 15 and 35 pounds of poo every single day. Yes, I did just say that. The manure on London streets attracted numbers of flies, which then spread typhoid fever and other deadly diseases. And this wasn't just a British crisis. New York City had a population of 100,000 horses producing 2.5 million pounds of manure every single day. This became such a big crisis that uh, it was debated in 1898 at the world's first international urban planning conference in New York, Uh, but no solution could be found. It seemed like urban civilization was doomed. But you know the phrase, necessity is the mother of invention. And the invention in this case was the automobile. Uh, Henry Ford had a moment of clarity and uh, he became the founder, the uh, inventor of the motor car. And electric trams and motor buses appeared on the streets, replacing horse-drawn buggies and horse-drawn buses. And by 1912, this seemingly insurmountable problem had been resolved. Uh, When crisis hits, you need clarity. You got to see ahead and see the solutions and and the future that nobody else can see. And, And nothing brings clarity like prayer. Psalm 34, 17 says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. You know, I think of Moses at the Red Sea. Uh, Moses, he, he, he had the moment of crisis, right? I mean, you've got the Red Sea in front of you, you've got the Egyptian army behind you, and yet he trusted that God had called them out, and so he would provide a way through. And, uh, and Moses ends up, you know, performing one of the greatest miracles in the Old Testament. He has this conversation with God. By the way, that's what prayer is. Prayer is a conversation with God. And Moses had the trust and the relationship to know that there's not a crisis in life that God can't handle. When you hit crisis, do you hit your knees? You know, COVID uh, 2020 created a lot of different crisis moments, but the way the church pivoted and had clarity coming out of that season was, was pretty awe-inspiring, honestly. You know, the last thing I want to talk about is conviction, conviction. And the problem that it addresses is criticism. You know, Proverbs 27, 21, fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but a person is tested by being praised. I would say it like this. A person is tested uh, whether they're praised or whether they're criticized. And just like getting praised is going to test your level of humility, getting roasted, right? Getting criticized is going to test your strength. I can get through any criticism if I have the right conviction that I live with. And I need to be convicted in areas where that criticism might be accurate. See, if I'm being critiqued on a character flaw that God wants to grow in me, I need to grow through that, right? So I would ask you this, is there a blind spot in your heart that maybe you don't see? Don't let an ounce of criticism get to your heart if it hasn't passed through scripture, right? I mean, if it's not true, don't take that criticism to heart. But ask yourself, is there any truth in this criticism I'm receiving right now? Because, hey, I'm not perfect. This is why it's so huge to have people in your life that have full permission to call you out. 
uh, people that have uh, permission to call you on your blind spots. You know, I have a group of pastors and friends that know me uh, very well, and they know that they can call me out on anything. Uh, my friend Chris, he's also so good at this too. I've had Chris Douglas on the Worship uh, Worshipology podcast, and uh, just a few weeks ago, he we actually had a conversation. He was just telling me about an issue that he's having, and, and, and he was actually asking me, hey, is this a problem that I see in myself, or is this a problem that they have with me? And I think that's such a great question to ask people that you know and trust that will speak into your life no matter what. I would say, man, you know, so-and-so called me out on this. Is this a me problem? Do I need to address this? Or is this a them problem? And I need to just let it roll off like water off a duck's back. You know, one thing I've learned in in ministry is it seems like, um, you know, the moment people step into a church building, it's no longer a perfect church, right? And in ministry, everybody knows how to do your job better than you do. Uh, that's just that's just the thing, man. And it doesn't probably just equate to ministry, but probably in every industry, there's going to be people that think they know how to do your job better than you. But listen, they weren't put in your position. You were. They weren't hired to do that job. They weren't put up on that stage to lead that whatever it is that you're leading. And so if I could tell you how many times people throughout the years told me, hey, you should be leading this song or hey, don't don't lead that song, it's blasphemous or hey, you know, you guys wrote that original song and man, it just did not hit. I mean, if I told you all of the criticism that I've received over the years, even book reviews, I mean, y'all know that I've written uh, two books now, Worshipology came out a year ago, and then Soundcheck uh, came out with David C. Cook in 2016. And uh, if you want to be humbled uh, and you've written uh, anything that could be reviewed, go and read those reviews because they will humble you. And uh, man, I just, you know, I had to get to a place where I just let that roll off my back if it wasn't true. And if it was true, I tried to grow through that. And so if you have a God-given conviction in your heart, trust me, you can make it through any criticism. Uh, When I first moved to Nashville as a songwriter, I had to quickly get used to rejection and criticism. I mean, everybody uh, everybody moves to Nashville to make it, right, Uh, in Music City. And, And you may have been a big fish in a small pond, but when you get to that city, you quickly get humbled by the talent and the abundance of talent in Nashville. And I needed two things to get through that season and not get jaded. Same two things that I need today uh, when it comes to conviction. Uh, God, give me a thick skin and a soft heart. Thick skin and a soft heart. We have to always be open to what God wants to teach us through hardship, trials, and tests. I mean, that's where we learn the most. And oftentimes, those are going to come through people, uh, maybe people you know well, maybe people you don't know that well. Um, and I would just say this, give people extra grace. Uh, you know, Jesus led with grace and truth. We need both of those. And today, uh, the day and age of ministry, everyone can teach us something. And sometimes criticism can be constructive. So let it build you up, not tear you down. Let scripture be your baseline and and let the word of God give you the conviction you need to live by. So those are just a few thoughts that I had. Uh, Prayer is so powerful. There's power in uh, consistent prayers. And uh, I'll give you permission. Go ahead and steal that four-part prayer if you want. Uh, If you're in any role of leadership and you're working with people a lot, God, give me confidence, competence, clarity, 
and conviction. Hey, I hope this podcast helped you out today. And uh, yeah, be sure to check out uh, my latest book. I think we actually are coming up on the one year anniversary of its release. Uh, The book is called Worshipology. And uh, just like this podcast, uh, it's a book that's geared uh, towards really being a biblical, practical, and spiritual guide to living and loving Jesus. You can find out more about the book at worshipologybook.com. I'm going to put that link in the show notes here. And uh, hey, thank you so much for listening week in and week out. Uh, Give us a review if you can, and uh, just tell us how we're positively impacting and encouraging you and your team. And uh, make sure you tune in next week. I got a very special guest, and uh, this season's just going to get bigger and better. Cannot wait for the upcoming guests on this season of Worshipology. Thanks for listening. Praying for you guys. God bless. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.